Support Black Podcast. There's something about intelligent black discourse that's mixed with a bit of tomfoolery and showfire shenanigans to brighten up anybody's podcasting day. That's what goes down on Def Con Jive, the podcast. Join host Boom, a.k.a. the Cerebral Knievel, Remy, the Scumbag Infinite, Cannon, the Stunticon, Young Scrap, and CP, a.k.a. LeBron James Bond, on Def Con Jive, the podcast. Available on DefConJive.com, as well as any place and every place that you get cool podcasts. Remember, support Black Podcasts. Hey there, this is Len the Bat Tribble, just giving you a bit of a heads up. We have some audio difficulty um, with this recording. One of the microphones was not operating properly during the recording of the episode. I have edited the show as much as I can so that you can still clearly make out all of the voices on the show. You can make out what we're saying. I think you can enjoy the show, but there are technical difficulties. And I I apologize for that. Um, After listening to it, Vince and I decided that the the quality was still such that we would post a show uh, rather than not do a show this week. So we think you'll still enjoy it, but you'll let us know if you can. Please do. And just know that we'll do better next time. Okay, enjoy the show. Hello, welcome once again to another stop on the show mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. It's Williams of it's all soul and i am joined as always hey what's up holla at your boy this is len aka the bat tribble of black tribbles fame and on this episode mm, 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 we are going to luxuriate let's do it again in 1975, We'd like to touch on all of the feedback that we get from each and every one of you on all of our social medias, making a stop first at Twitter, where Mellow from Mars, hey, Mello. at Mellow from Mars, hit us up and said that I'm a new listener, but oh. I love it. Thank you. Welcome. Especially being introduced to so many different films. I look forward to any and every 
Tyler Perry review. <laughs> We, we got them for you. <laughs> now, she, she puts in three laughing faces after that. So I don't know whether or not she's being facetious about that or not. I mean, there are certainly, look, the Tyler Perry movies have made a ton of money. A buttload of money. So you can't necessarily say that someone is, you know, when she says she looks forward to our reviews of his films, she may actually be a fan of his films. I think he is... Black America's beloved filmmaker. I don't know about his. Th- their, well, beloved. I think beloved may be a strong, too strong a word. No other filmmaker want to make black people pick between them and Tyler Perry. Fair enough. Now they might want to make Vincent Lynn pick between them and Tyler Perry, but if everybody gets a vote. Don't nobody won't go up against Tyler Perry. You think Spike couldn't go up against Tyler? No. Ava DuVernay couldn't go up against Tyler Perry? Look, man. I love Ava DuVernay at least as much as you do. But I love her so much, I would never put her in the ring with Tyler Perry. For black people to pick one. Right. That's what you mean. Right. right. Because I think in the ring, she could take Tyler Perry. (laughs) Hey, I'm just saying. All right. Keeping it real. Yes, yes. Speaking of Tyler Perry. Yes. uh, Did you read this, Vince? That the Medea era is coming to a close with a stage tour. Yes. And next year's appropriately titled Film Farewell, Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral. I did indeed. I heard it many times from many different places. Tyler Perry made the official announcement during a Sirius XM interview saying that he, I just don't want to be her age, which um, when he introduced her was 68. Right. And still playing her. Right. Her films alone have grossed over, the Medea films, have grossed over $500 million worldwide since her introduction um, on stage. Right. That was 20 years ago. Right. And I think it's probably worth mentioning that if they grossed $500 million, they probably cleared $499 million. <laughs> Nine hundred and fifty thousand. Because Mr. Perry ah. keeps his law, his costs low. He keeps his he keeps them costs low. Yeah, and I, and I don't see Tyler Perry. At least I haven't heard of Tyler Perry giving many points on any of these films. I mean, hey man, look, why would he? Yeah, people ain't there to see nobody but him. No, they're not. They're yeah, so. Totally not rushing for, you know, the, the next Cecily Tyson vehicle. Can I say it first? I don't believe him. That this will be the last I one. don't believe he's killing the deal. Oh, me, me neither. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Let me, let me take that back. I believe that he's killing Medea. And I believe that he will do a movie in which he kills Medea. Okay. I don't believe that this will be the last, the last Medea film. Medea film. Okay, I'll go along with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way Medea. And and you know, I'll take it a step further. I'd be kind of sad if he did. Why? She makes people, she makes black people happy. 
like anything that makes black people happy, I'm only going shit on it, but so much. Yes. Okay. I won't be sad if he gets rid of Medea. I think it's a stick that it's it's an SNL skit that has gone on way too long. Well, to, to us, it is. But again, I think all jokes aside, it brought joy to lots of black people. Mm. So, I mean, you know, it ain't for me. But everything don't have to be for me. Good. But yeah. I don't believe him. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, did you see that Indiana University recently... Uh, celebrated the 50-year career of Michael Schultz. I did see that. He and his wife and creative partner, Gloria Schultz, yeah, uh, were celebrated at Indiana University by the Black Film Center and Archive at University uh, Indiana University Cinema. Um, it actually is going to be taking place as part of their Young, Gifted, and Black Film series on November 8th through the 10th. And they'll have a onstage interview with Michael himself on November 9th. Michael Schultz, born in Milwaukee, the prolific and award-winning filmmaker of such hit films as Cooley High, Car Wash, Crush Groove, and many others. Don't do that. What? Don't do that. I'm reading straight Don't from. Do that. I'm reading. From, Don't do that. I'm, what other film did he direct? It just says. What other film did he direct, Lynn? What other film did he direct? It says. It might be of interest to the missionaries. It says, and many others. And what, what so is, I'm what sure that I'm sure there I'm sure there right, are quite right. a few. But I I didn't bring up his IMDb. Right. So right, right, I don't. Right. But, but he also directed the last strike. Oh, did he? Yes, he did. Well, okay. Yes, he did. Which I'm sure they will discuss at the Q&A. I'm sure they will spare some time at the end of the Q&A yes. to at least mention. To at least mention. You know, show, show the title card. Show the title card. Of The Last Dragon. It would be like a montage of his films. Yes. So show a quick, quick little slide. And, and after the credits. And then they'll move on to more important things. Oh, yes. The Last Dragon. Oh, yes. The Last Dragon. Yes. Perhaps. Yeah. That's how I see it going. Yeah. Had I been programmed. Were you in charge? <laughs> if you were producing that, that's what you would say. Um, hey, Vince, let me join the um, show mission people that follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and are part of our Facebook group in publicly yes. saying... Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Your birthday much. passed recently. It did. It was last week, and I appreciate all of the birthday wishes. It was, it was very humbling and wonderful to see everyone say that. I saw Morgan Freeman even wish yes. you. <laughs> yes, I heard it in his voice. <laughs> Abby, did you do anything special? I mean, not really. We went to um, Longwood Gardens on Saturday. Oh, you know, I've never. the chrysanthemum. Mums, 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 fancy flowers. There you go. <laughs> chrysanthemum, chrysanthemum. I never know how to pronounce it. Mums. We, yes, we looked at the fancy flowers. <laughs> it was very nice. I've never been to Longwood Gardens, but my my only um, history with Longwood Gardens is years ago when my daughter 
was, I don't think she was, she may have been two, two and a half years old. Mm -hmm. My mother and my father took her and his mother Mm -hmm. to Longwood Gardens, you know, a night out, a day out. And my mom's snapping tons of pictures. Of course. In the garden. And she has some pictures of my grandmother walking along the gardens. Every picture of my daughter is, she is knocked out in the stroller. (laughs) (laughs) Because rule number one for a sleeping baby is don't wake them. That's right. (laughs) So she, I don't know if she realizes that she's been to Longwood. She was knocked out. It's so cute. But no, it was a pretty quiet weekend. You know, family made dinner and we hung out. I raked leaves on Sunday, so it was kind of weekend. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, see, see, I'll shovel snow. Right. I can't stand raking leaves. I do not miss like at at my house. I don't have leaves. Right. I. I do not miss raking leaves. I actually like raking leaves. I think it's very peaceful and soothing. Oh, see, no. The problem is I'm just getting too old. Like, I was so stiff the next day mm-hmm. that it was ridiculous. Yeah, see, and you like, have a... I almost started a brand new life in the shower. And you have a daughter. So yeah. while you will owe it to yourself to at least show her yeah, about yeah, raking, absolutely. you will still always go out there with her. Oh, and, and you know, you know, God bless my daughter. She's beautiful, intelligent, aware, socially aware young woman, but young lady, mm-hmm. young young lady. But oh, these children and their work ethic. It's just, <laughs> it's just not. Like you know, you got a leaf blower, and I think, like I couldn't, like like just the physics of it. I didn't understand why the leaves weren't actually moving. I was like, what are you? <laughs> Like, how are you even managing this? You're just sort of moving back and forth. I want to do it. Like, I want to go inside at some point. (laughs) But no, it was a good week. It was a good week. Quiet weekend. Like, quiet weekend. So they made you dinner. So did they make a special dinner for you? Yes, they did. What did they make? What, what, What was Vince's very special birthday dinner? My wife, for the first time, Ooh. She was intimidated by it. Ooh. She made me some oxtails. Oh, you are a fan of the oxtails? I love. My great-grandmother used to make oxtails. Okay. When we went down to visit, and they were so good, I'd almost want to cry. They were so good. Did she... Now, your wife, Wendy, did she use your grandmother's recipe? She... Yes, she did. She actually did, because she spoke to my first cousin, who lived with my great-grandma. Okay. Oh, your great grandmother. Okay. Right, and then kind of got the the recipe. So how she do? Oh, they were so. Good. Yeah. Oh, they were so good. They were amazing. Wow. So that was. What do you serve with oxtails? I just have them over rice because you know we eat them like you know like Caribbean style or sometimes you get them like in a West African spot. They don't have as much gravy. Right. You, you know it's it's more of almost a stew, but but Southern style. You get a like a it's a gravy like a thick gravy so just put it over some rice, white rice. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. This isn't the time for the long grain fancy rice. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I like the oxtails over some white rice, right? And then like some string beans. Mm. Yeah, so 
All right, this sounds good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. This weekend was uh, like salad for the next two weeks, but why? Because it's heavy. It's really heavy. It, oh well, yeah, oxtail. That, yeah. I mean, it sounds yeah, heavy. It's heavy, but it's delicious. I've never. I think I'm pretty sure I have eaten oxtails before, yeah. but it's been so infrequently sure. that I couldn't even tell you sure. the taste. Yeah, you know, um, and it's and I don't. It's just not something I really no, no, no. like. When I go to the, you know, to the spots, I get jerk chicken. Get jerk chicken. Can't go wrong with it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to go wrong. Yeah, can't go wrong. Not that it's expensive, no, but it's no. it costs enough that I don't want to go wrong. No, no. So no, just no, give no, me my no, jerk chicken. Not at all. And 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 we're not Jamaican. Right. So you can't be all like you can't be in there if you don't really know what you're doing. Exactly. You know, respect the technique. Exactly. So it's like chicken and rice. Like I'll eat anybody's chicken and rice because you know it's just seasoned chicken. I won't eat just anybody chicken and rice. No, no, no. I mean any 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 cultures. Gotcha. Rice. I don't mean like random mo on the street. Yeah. Like any kind of restaurant I go to if I'm not familiar with the cuisine. I'm just looking for the chicken and rice. <laughs> so that's sort of where jerk chicken fell under. If I'm not with somebody Jamaican, y'all don't really mess around too tough. Got you. Uh, this weekend I saw was another weekend where I treated um, my lady, mm-hmm. Tawana, to a day at the movies. Very nice. Uh, so we went to the local movie tavern. Nice. Where I spent entirely too much money. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, but then you realize, like, where did a hundred dollars go? I know. <laughs> like quickly before the yeah, credits, quickly before the trailers, right, right. I'm a hundred in. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. like, yo, this. Is not yeah, right. A couple of drinks and chicken strips. Thanks for playing. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I was there. We were there to see two movies. Right, right, right. So we saw uh, The Hate You Give. Yes. The new George Tillman movie. Yes. Um, which is actually very, very good. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a great deal. Okay. I really. It's getting I, good reviews. And as well as should. Um, the acting in it is like top notch. The writing, I think, is very even handed. It's one of the better performances of um, Common. Okay. That I've yeah. So uh, that's saying something because uh, I think he plays a li- totally against type. Okay. There's something about when Common Common shaves his beard and it's just a mustache and looks like old man Tom Common. Right. Right. It actually has like the faint hint of his hair growing back in it gives him a whole different it's look. a whole different look and right. i think he felt that right and right, it and, right. it and it imbued his performance so he he was on point regina hall i mean of course of course doing non-stop work um roger hornsby for all of those people who think he was just you know stealing money all those years on uh, russell russell Russell, excuse me russell hornsby um think people who think he maybe was stealing money on um what was it grim that he was on he wasn't stealing money he was just he was the man was like he was a working actor i mean they must not have seen him in fences well exactly yeah uh but then in this film if you didn't if you didn't remember who the brother was this film lets you know, oh, I do act. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, I do have a gift. And the man was definitely using it. And Amanda Stenberg, 
Yeah. As the yeah, as the yeah, lead. Yeah, she's a nice little actress. She's no joke, man. Okay. She's a, she's the truth. Okay. She is definitely the truth. So we watched that. And then but before that, okay. We saw the latest um iteration of Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Friend 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 to the show, friend to the missionaries, friends to friend to the mission. Omar Dorsey is in that. Halloween is 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 good. Okay, it's good. It's it's it's, it's Halloween, so it's not groundbreaking. Right, right, right. But it's good. Uh, you know, you get into it. Jamie Lee Curtis doing doing you know doing her thing. It's cool. Um, but Omar buried the lead <laughs> because while Omar Dorsey, friend to the show, is in this film, yeah. What he doesn't let you know is that Omar Dorsey is like, how can I put this? Omar Dorsey wears this film. And by that, I mean, when he comes onto the screen, the first thing you see are his boots. (laughs) And his boots are like these easily $500 leather pointed <laughs> you know authentic cowboy boots I mean the only thing they're missing is obviously uh, spurs right 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 and then the camera tracks up nice his body where he is dressed Rather resplendently in a nice, I think it's like a dark suit that he has on with a nice, a nice tailored shirt. looks like it's tailored. And then he has on one of those like bolo ties. As one does when you have on cowboy boots. Yes. And then as, as if, you know, and then you, then you see his face and there for all to see is, is Hollywood. Yes. On the screen, yes, I believe he may even have, and I, 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 I may be misremembering. He either has a toothpick or a lollipop, fantastic, in his mouth. But the camera is not finished tracking, Vince. Wait, there's more. Yes, there is more because what you must see is the thirty-gallon cowboy hat. That is fantastic. That my man wears. That's right. Throughout the film. Black man in a horror movie. Plus, you know, spoiler alert. It's not a spoiler because everybody wants to know. He doesn't die. That's what I hear. And you know why? Because he probably said, I'll be damned if y'all going to scuff up my $500 boots and my $500 30-gallon hat. All right. Let's hear it for a black man survive. All he does in this film is walk into a scene, talk some ish, walk out of the scene. That's that he does that about three or four times in the movie. That's fantastic. I, I don't even and he may not even walk. I think he just appears. He just appears. <laughs> just appears on the screen. Well, that's fantastic. Good for you, Omar. Good for you. Make that money, Hollywood. Make that money, Hollywood. 
was like, look at Omar. So you had a day out at the movies with your lady. Yeah, I had a day. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was happy. She was. She liked it. So I was like, here you go, babe. This is what she want to do. So this is what we're going to do. All right, let's get into our movie re- review. But before we do, we want to thank, I want to take a moment to thank all of you people who we always ask people, you know, if they want to do anything for us, to go on to um, iTunes, iTunes yeah. and leave us a ranking and a ratings because that helps people find the Absolutely. show. J0992. Hey, Jay. Said, so I just found this podcast and I must say it's very entertaining. Thank you, Jay. I'm starting from the beginning and I have no thoughts of fast forwarding through any episodes. Great podcast. Plus, you guys reviewed my all time favorite movie, Love Jones. There it is. Five star review. Well, thank you, Jay. We certainly appreciate that. We really do. And welcome. Welcome, 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 welcome. I also want to let everyone know that um, that finds our show wherever you find it, whether or not you find it as part of the podglomerate um, podcast network, or you find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any place else. I invite you to check out our other podcast. That's right. Me and Vince are, do another podcast. It is called... It's all our free time. <laughs> yeah. It's called Spock Adjacent. Uh, it is where we get to talk Trek and Trek-ish type of things because we love Trek. <laughs> I know there's a, probably a whole band of you. It's like, well, why can't y'all just do another podcast so y'all can take all that comic book talk oh, over there too? And, you know, we thought about it, but no. So, <laughs> but <laughs> but the Trek stuff, that deserved its own podcast. Right, right, right. So it has its own podcast, Spock Adjacent, where we review the Star Trek um, CBS All Access series Discovery, as well as talk about a whole bunch, you know, just stuff that is, you know, Trekish and Spock Adjacent. We have a new episode that went up this week where we talked about... Star Trek The Next Generation's infamous episode, Code of Honor. Oh, my God. And let me just say this. If you don't like Star Trek at all, but you like our podcast, like you like the Michelle Mission, and you like media and representations of black people and historic representations of black people, if you have a Netflix account, I think it's on Amazon Prime too. Because I think Next Generation is everywhere. It may be. Watch the third episode of the first season called Code of Honor. Wow. If you want to see something amazing, I mean, can you even call it racist? Like, it got to the point where I thought it transcended racism. Like, it was racist. And then it transformed into a different form where it was like a a, a megalon of racism. So it was actually bigger. It was a big piece of shit to me. (laughs) But But if you want to call it racist. it It is an infamous episode and it is infamously racist and, and filled with racist imagery. But, but yeah, we, we, we're going to talk what we, it's weird because you're saying it's posted 
because people are going to hear it by the time they hear it is posted, but we haven't taped it yet. So it's like a weird temporal thing happening now. Like, I don't know how to... Did I... I just messed up the illusion. I messed up the illusion. Is that what I did? Y'all don't see Lynn had his head, his head in his hand. I messed up a plan, didn't I? I messed it up. Did I mess it up? I messed it up. Yes. Yes, we've already taped it. Yes, we have. It's a conversation we've had already in the past. Where are my tribbles? <laughs> I need my tribbles. They're so trained. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Our past conversation about it, which has already transpired in the past. Before this moment. <laughs> Let's get into our review <laughs> of Let's Do It Again. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Just a couple of ordinary guys doing their part for a good cause. I'm a milkman. You're a factory worker. We don't look like nobody who come up with no $20,000. We gonna look like we got a million. Bungo Slade from New York, huh? That's right. Biggie Smalls. You wanna see me? Yeah, I wanna see you. About what? Bungo Slade. I'm from out of New York City. I'm here, my boys. Wanna make a bet with you. Ten grand. Count it. No need. But it ain't what they do. It's how they're doing it. Warner Brothers and First Artist present Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby. And let's do it again. Let's do it again. By day, they're two average family men enjoying a well-earned vacation with their wives in New Orleans. But by night, they're dynamite operators. <laughs> trying to make an outclassed, washed-up fighter named Bootney Farnsworth into a winner. I am the gentleman. Who am I? Who? One little personal question, Bootney. How's your love life? How's his love life? And while they're at it, turn 20,000 into 100 grand. You lost, Matt. Live with it. Live with it. I hope you boys don't have an accident on the way home with all that money. There they are! Sidney Poitier, Bill Cosby, Calvin Lockhart, John Amos, Ossie Davis, and Jimmy Walker. When you got the cash, when you got the faith, when you got the luck, there ain't nothing you can't do. Let's do it again. 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 Do it again
Now let's do it again. Sidney Poitier, Bill Cosby. Let's do it again. Nineteen seventy-five's "Let's Do It Again." Clyde Williams and Billy Foster are a couple of blue-collar workers in Atlanta who have promised to raise funds for their fraternal order, the Brothers and Sisters of Shaka. However, their method for raising the money involves traveling to New Orleans and rigging a boxing match. Using hypnotism, they turn the scrawny underdog into a super-confident fighting machine. That underdog wins, they win the money for their lodge, complications ensue. As we mentioned before the break, this is the second of three films that Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby made in the 70s, the first being Uptown Saturday Night, and then two years after this they came together for their final pairing, A Piece of the Action. This film was directed by Sidney Poitier and based on a screenplay by Richard Wesley. Besides Poitier and Cosby, it also stars the returning Calvin Lockhart from Uptown Saturday Night, John Amos, Jimmy Walker, I would say an extended cameo by Ozzie Davis. Would you call it a cameo? He's in what, two scenes? Yeah, scenes. maybe about two, three scenes. The resplendent <laughs> Denise Nicholas and Lee Chamberlain. Let's Do It Again, featuring a soundtrack produced by the legendary Curtis Mayfield, featuring the vocal stylings of the Staple Singers, was the choice of Lynn Webb. Mr. Webb, what do you have to say about Let's Do It Again? I wish that they had done this film right again after they finished it mm. because it was just such a good time. Mm -hmm. It was just, and watching this, watching this film again, and, and this is, you know, when we're on this mission, a lot of these films that we've seen before, or especially films that are, you know, we, we treasure such as Uptown Saturday Night, mm. such as Let's Do It Again. When we're watching them again with a critical eye, sometimes that can, or at least for me, uh, kind of uh, uh, dull my appreciation of it a, a little bit sure. because I'm not looking at it just to be entertained. Now I'm looking at it more critically and sure. you know checking out whatever production things are going on about it. Um, but in this movie, I, I, and in this movie, I'm doing that as well, especially in regards to, in comparison to Uptown Saturday Night, which preceded it by, I think, like two years. Yeah. Um, and the first thing I'm, I'm, I'm saying to myself as I'm watching it, okay, this is a more cohesive story. Mm -hmm. This is like a story that feels a little bit more, um, thought thought out plotted and um and and paced as opposed to uptown saturday night uptown saturday night which is great has a lot of improvisational vibe 
to it and maybe like script on the fly type of thing. This sounds like a solid story. Lock it in. So is that, am I losing, because of that, am I losing some of the energy mm-hmm. in this movie? This movie also seems to ha- be more so than Uptown Saturday Night um, taking advantage of Bill Cosby as not only just a comedic actor, but a comedic physical actor a lot more than he's allowed to show off in Uptown Saturday Night. Um, So is that, are they now maybe going to the well a little bit too much in this film? These these are the things that I'm thinking within the first five, ten minutes of the the movie. Right. Right. then, like, and then within those five, five, ten minutes of the movie, I'm also introduced to Jane Kennedy. <laughs> and for those who don't do not know, in the seventies, in the like the mid to late seventies. You know, you know, everybody talks about, you know, Farrah Fawcett uh, at, at that time was the sex symbol of the time for 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 America. And maybe she was. But for black America, the sex symbol of that time was Jane Kennedy. Mm. And this is the fi- one of the films that introduced her because she says nothing in this movie. This was in her final form. Yes, this is this. Yes, this isn't fully formed Jane Kennedy. This is just J- Jane Kennedy has a walking cameo. Mm. Not even a cameo in this movie. It's not even a cameo. She says nothing. She just walks across the the um, a, a lot. Mm. That's it. And yet she still gets a credit. That's how bad Jane Kennedy is. Yes, she should have. So you 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 have that in the first five minutes. Then you also have this is the extended cameo, an extended cameo of possibly heavyweight champion at that time, certainly leading contender for the heavyweight championship belt, George Foreman. (laughs) In this film, um, who actually is showing his, showing that he's got a little bit of, you know, at that, even then he's showing, he's got some personality. Mm -hmm. He, he comes very naturally on screen, you know, without, Pulling attention, whereas, you know, Muhammad Ali would pull attention. Right. You know, Joe Frazier, you'd need subtitles. George Foreman, <laughs> keeping it real. And I love Joe Frazier. But, um, uh, but George Foreman, just all personality, mm-hmm. all just, you know, writing character. Mm-hmm. Along for the joke, the little joke that he has with Bill Cosby in the beginning of the film. Perfect. Beautiful. Loved it. So within 15 minutes of watching this film, I'm just I I watching it from a critical eye. I say, you know what? This is a better plotted film. There's more story here, but the story seems to be making a little bit more sense. I'm digging it. The wives, played by Lee Chamberlain and Denise Nicholas, um, seem to have a little bit more of an integral role mm-hmm. in this movie as opposed to the the previous one. Um, I'm liking that, and they're, and and they're not just you know wives that are there. There seem to be a distinct personality between the the, the two. There's a, a there's a difference in the relationships uh, of these 
these two couples as seen in a dinner dinner scene that they have with one another. You know what? This is a better film than Uptown Saturday Night. Interesting. I think it's a be- it's a better made constructed right, right, film. Right. It is so. Uh, now that I have set upon on that, and I know that to, to be a fact, now I can just sit here and then just enjoy this crazy comedy. And then sitting there enjoying this crazy comedy, I'm like, wow. I I, I realize why I like this film and why I don't like this film. What okay. and what and what I and what I don't like about this film. Okay. I love this film because it's a return to Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby. I love their their energy together. I love their dynamic together. I feel like in this film, as opposed to uh, to Uptown Saturday Night, they they too each have separate um, personalities. Mm-hmm. You know that you can see why they're best friends because they 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 get along. But you can also see where they are they they they're. Each brings something different to the table, mm-hmm. and I think that if you rewatch Uptown Saturday Night, they're basically the, the the same coin. You know what I mean? This is this is a little different. I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed Calvin Lockhart just being cool. Calvin Lockhart, even though he's not as and you know this is being the introduction of the of Biggie Smalls in this movie. But watching it again, he's not in a lot of the movie. Right. He really isn't. Right. And I'm like, wow, I that that's 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 eerie because he definitely is a, a huge part of Uptown Saturday Night. And the two gangsters in this film are a huge part of this film. Why is Calvin Lockhart, as much as he is still Calvin Lockhart, popping off doing his thing, coolest man in the room, why is he not popping off the screen for me? You know why? Because in this one, while Harry Belafonte gave to me his best performance in Uptown Saturday Night, Calvin Lockhart is against somebody who is not only uh, as equally adept as an actor as Calvin Lockhart, but he's given some, he's up against somebody who is just as cool right. as Calvin Lockhart, and that is John Amos <laughs> as Kansas, Kansas City Mac. <laughs> John Amos, because to me, this movie rests on two things. First, John Amos. Kansas City Mac is just a bad man. He is a bad man. He is a brother that can wear himself a suit. Yes. Look good in his suit can deliver a funny line and still look menacing as hell. Scary. I do not want to F with Kansas City Mac. I don't care about Bubble Top Jenkins and all his and Pork Chop Jones and all his uh, all his boys. I'm not messing with Kansas City Mac. Uh, that would be Bubble Top Woodson, Fish and Chips Freddy, <laughs> and Jody Tips. Fish and Chips Freddy. May be the best nickname of all time. And Jody Tips <laughs> are his associates. Kansas City Mac is so cool. He's cool when he's sitting down eating dinner. Yeah, yeah. He's cool when he's sitting in the ring watching a boxing match. Yeah, yeah. He's cool. When he has to say he's sorry to some cops. 
But never is he cooler or more menacing than when Kansas City Mac is James Brown running through the streets of New Orleans after Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier. Because only in the movies do they outrun this man. Because I was looking at it. Yeah. He, he, there was no stunt double. No, that was him running. That was Jayon Amos booking, son, in his suit. I say outrunning men 10 years younger than Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he was. Because Calvin Lockhart, God bless him. There was a couple of stunt doubles for Calvin Lockhart. <laughs> Calvin Lockhart said these shoes are not meant for running. You don't mess up all that pretty face. <laughs> no, no, I slipped once. Yeah. No, Kansas City Mac was just a bad man, and he is the reason. He's the reason why I just fell in love with this movie. The other reason, I'm a huge fan of seventies. Bill Cosby. Yeah. From his from his I have every solitary single one of his records. So yeah. I I've heard them at nauseum. Can recite most of them by heart, especially to Russell to whom I slept with. I know that album, that side of the album inside and out. So I'm a huge fan of 70s Bill Cosby. Outside of his albums, I love him for Uptown Saturday Night, but Let's Do It Again reminded me that I truly love him for the his introduction of Mongo Slade. Because when Bill Cosby, because Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier both play Mongo Slade. Right, right. And Sidney Poitier plays a cool, you know, Superman looking. I mean, he has a cape. He's, the man has a cape. And he doesn't look bad in his cape. And he pulls it off. He pulls it off. Yeah. He pulls off. The man can pull off a cape. He He's good. In that, but Bill Cosby as Mongo Slade, from the time he walks in with in was his suit red? I believe it was salmon. Sam, oh, was that what we're calling that? Yeah, salmon. Salmon colored. A salmon colored knicker knicker suit, knicker suit with black socks. One as one wears with the salmon color. Yes, but one of the socks was sans elastic. <laughs> From the moment he walked in with Jordy LaForge's visor. Oh my God. And with a straight face, has to remove his gun oh from the zipper of his pants. <laughs> It may be one of the best scenes of physical comedy that I have ever seen. It is so, it is so classic, hilarious. I think Aaron Fry actually posted the clip. Yes, he did. So, Yes, go to our Facebook group. Skip it and you you should watch this movie. Yes, watch the whole movie. Definitely watch this. Oh my God! It is so. It is so so. It's it's just it's my it's it's mind-bogglingly funny. 
It is it is uh, hilarious. Then there's a third reason. The third reason why I'm a devotee of this film. Okay. And this this will this will you know will um, certainly send warm shivers to your heart. All right, Vince. Now. Because you know who you about to talk about? Because I too may have fallen in love with Denise Nicholas Man. in this film. Mm, just tell me when it's my turn. Just tell me when it's my turn. Well, I, I may be about to steal some of your glory mm. because mm. when near the end of the film, mm. when she has to come in mm. to uh, see Biggie Smalls mm. popping her gum oh. in a blonde wig and go-go boots. And dude, I I realized rewatching this film again, rewatching this film, another scene that is played in rotation in my head. When she has to get on the on the phone to the chief, and she takes her earring, takes her earring off, she Vince. Something about that moment. Yes, yes, Vince. It was something about that and the look in her eye. And her, I, 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 I'm Lily Triple may ha, may have to cosplay tonight. I'm just letting oh. you know, <laughs> because dude, dude, man, man, let me tell you, they did things to a young boy, and I was a young boy again the other day watching Amazon Prime. But you said there's something you don't like. I'm just I I'm just I'm really not a fan of J- Jimmy. And I wanted to rewatching it, get back into that 1975 head. Jimmy Walker, maybe I don't think he's premiered on Good, Good Times yet. I think it it the timing is. I think it's the same year. Right. So the film comes out. Right. Because when you look at the posters, mm-hmm. they really pump up the fact that it's Jimmy Walker. Yeah. So I think it's the same year they want to let you know because it's the same year that Good Times comes out and Good Times which would make him a superstar. He was the breakout almost immediately. So trying to get myself into that head Mm -hmm. of Jimmy Walker Mm -hmm. you know okay 75 am I feeling the Jimmy Walker shtick? Yes. You know what I mean? Um, And if I'm remembering when I saw this film in the movies, I'm sure I laughed at some of Jimmy Walker's scenes, mm-hmm. but I know that he didn't do anything great to me. Honestly, when I think back on when I watched it in the movie, the scene of Jimmy Walker that stands out to me is the scene where he's jogging yeah, and Sidney oh, yeah. Poitier has to catch up to him. But that's because of Sidney Poitier. And, and that's what I realized. Yeah. It's really because of Sidney Poitier. Uh-huh. It's not because of Jimmy Walker. Right. It's all about that what Sidney Poitier d- is doing. Yeah. So then when I now watching it, Critical Eye, watching it, Jimmy Walker, not only is he basically doing the same shtick all, Four times, two or three times throughout the movie. So he's not asked to do anything new. He's actually asked to play the same scene three times. And even then, he's not even doing it that great. He's not even that funny. He's not funny. Which makes me wonder, and maybe you can tell me this. Was Jimmy Walker, because I know that he has spent some time as a comedian in the years since. But was he... A comedian at the yeah. time, or was he an actor? Look, he was a stand-up. So he was a stand-up. Because you know he was old. 
Yes, he, like, well, he's, yes, he's decidedly like, older he's than maybe even early thirties. Right. Like, one good time. The older I get, the more and more confused I am by Jimmy Walker as a phenomenon. Yeah. I don't under. Were you finished? I yeah. You, go. I agree with pretty much everything that you just said, except I actually still think that while this is a better constructed film, Mm -hmm. this is a more cohesive story. Mm -hmm. I feel like all of the players are not only stronger, but more confident in their relationships. Like I feel like, Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier are much more confident in their camaraderie. I think Denise Nicholas, you know, as as we just said, is 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 on fire. Mm-hmm. Like like you know, I said this on an episode before, where as much as I love the Mongo Slade scene, and I love that scene, I think as scenes with the the, the different texture and the different you know kind of moments, mm-hmm. I. I actually think Denise Nicholas's scene is better. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. So that's how strong she is. Yeah. And and there's more going on in that and scene. There's a scene where they're at lunch where where the two of them are flirting with each other. Adorable. Not only is it adorable, again, I, I honestly think Bill Cosby is a comedic genius. And I think a lot of that energy and a lot of that rhythm. She gives as good as she gets mm-hmm. at the table with 1975 Bill Cosby, yeah, which is no small feat. Mm-hmm. I love John Amos, just like you said. Um, I think Calvin Lockhart. I actually think less is more because he's so much. Okay, like, I, I actually think that they played him. I, I think the direction is more um, confident in this. Mm-hmm. 48's direction is more confident. Everything you said. But Jimmy Walker makes this film not as good as Uptown Saturday Night for me. Okay. I think Jimmy Walker single-handedly brings down the film. Okay. You know, it's sort of like um, when people talk about Paid in Full, Mm -hmm. the Eric B. and Rakim album, and then somebody, yeah, but what about Chinese Arithmetic? And it's like, oh, yeah, Chinese Arithmetic is terrible. Jimmy Walker is the Chinese arithmetic of this film. Gotcha. I don't understand him. I don't understand how he got the part. I I don't understand any of it at all. But besides that, saying that Uptown Saturday Night is better than this film doesn't really take anything from this film. Because this this film is a joy. Oh, it is. Like, this film is just (laughs) joy. And like you, you know, I tried to look at it, you know, more critically. And, and you know, it's, it's fascinating being this many films into the mission so that we bring all of these different things to it. I love the fact that John Wesley, not John Wesley, I just forgot the screenwriter's name. Richard Wesley. Richard Wesley, yeah. I love the commitment that Richard Wesley makes in this film like he did in Uptown Saturday Night. Of positioning these men as ordinary men. Mm-hmm. When the film comes on, before you get to Bill Cosby, you actually get this kind of quick montage of Sidney Poitier's character at work. And he's a milkman. 
And they make, remember that. I know, right? But they make sure to situate like these are ordinary men. Mm-hmm. Bill Cosby works at the factory. At one point, they even say to each other, you know, Bill Cosby. I mean, um, Sidney Poitier says to Bill Cosby, "We can't pull this out. I'm just a milkman, and you're a factory worker." Mm-hmm. I love this depiction of sort of the black working class social dynamic like they are in lodges like remember, yeah like you know like there is this there was you know you think about like like fred flintstone was <laughs> in the, um the water buffaloes the water buffalo and i think that's where i first heard the term grand poobah on the flintstones oh well i heard it on the honeymooners I was, and i was about to say the honeymooners they were in lodges but there was a similar dynamic with the black working class. Mm-hmm. And I love that detail of it. I love the generational divide between Kansas City Mac and Biggie Smalls. Yeah. And 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 just this, again, attention to the detail, to the construction of this world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and once you create this world... You have these really well-formed characters in it that feel real, that feel lived in, that feel like all of this, although it stretches the limits of believability, they set it up and they pull it off. Like, I love the fact that this plan that we're going, that I learned hypnotism in the army, and now we're going to hypnotize these fighters. There's never a moment where you feel like, oh, I don't buy this. Because they set it up in such a way that you believe it. Yeah. Also, the hypnotism is not the part that goes wrong. Well, (laughs) it's actually a great complication. Like you just mentioned, like when they hypnotize him, then he tries to catch up with them after he's hypnotized him into being a Superman. Mm -hmm. But now that he's a Superman... You can't, can't catch them. And that's a wonderful complication. There are three scenes where, you know, you talk about Bill Cosby. I love Bill Cosby in the South. Like, I always say Bill Cosby with a beard is my favorite Bill Cosby, where it just looks like his face exploded in the hair. <laughs> there are three moments where he has to spin a tail, basically. Right, to right. Get out of get out of something. And I don't know how much of it is improvised, I don't know how much of it is the script, but it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is amazing. And not only is it amazing because of Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier making faces next to Bill Cosby. I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. I laughed out loud at parts that I have seen at least a half dozen times that I knew was coming. But it was just that funny. Mm-hmm. This this is a fan. I mean, this is a fantastic film. It is. Uh, I think him doing the, like doing his spinning his little yarns, if is paying off the um, really the one successful time he does it in Uptown Saturday Night. Oh, absolutely. So now they's like, oh, well, that was a good part. Well, then we need to put in a little bit more of it. And but they don't go heavy-handed with it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, plus, also to your point, and in reading on the history of this film, this film was um created 
with Richard Pryor and Red Fox in yeah. mind. And while there are aspects of the film where I could easily see Richard in Richard Pryor in a couple of of scenes, I have a funny feeling that he would have played. Well, he actually could have played either one of the characters, to be right, honest. Right, right. Um, but there are some scenes where I could have seen him. Like, I definitely could have seen Richard Pryor pulling off Mongo Slate. Of course. You know what I mean? Of course. I can see him doing a lot of the stuff that Richard that Bill Cosby has asked to do in this film. However, neither Richard Pryor or Red Fox are the actors that Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier are. And because of that, I don't think it would have worked with the two of them. No. Because one, I don't see I don't see either of them being able to play the silent straight man to the other one. Right. Getting, you know, going right. in for the laughs. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so I don't see that. Um, and without knowing their relationship, I think whatever camaraderie they probably had with one another, I don't see it being the same type of, you know, uh, the same the same type of alchemy that you feel with Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby in this movie. So I just really enjoyed that. And and I also enjoyed, and I think you said it, you can tell that Sidney Poitier is certainly a more confident director. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He's a more confident director here. I think he is. um, I think that may also be why you have a little bit more of uh, better, overall acting Mm -hmm. in your leads as well as in your supporting characters in this film or 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 at least the performances seem a lot more a lot more uh, prominent um i also know that richard wesley in uh writing this the story uh was critical of himself for his work in uptown saturday night and the the um the how he wrote the women in that movie right and wanted to definitely pay attention to not repeating that mistake in this film and i think that he succeeded in that you know we haven't given her props but i think lee chamberlain yeah. is, uh, actually does very well in her scenes as well without you know denise nicholas denise nicholas like she's having so much fun in this movie oh and Lee Chamberlain is asked to pretty much play someone who wouldn't go there right. like the, like you could you could see the wife that Denise Nicholas is asked to play in this movie when asked to play the role that she has to do at the end probably giving him smack at home right. but being like all right, well, if I'm going right. to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, it's actually foreshadowed at that lunch. Right, where they're right, going back exactly. And forth talking nasty. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but Lee Chamberlain, when asked to do it on her end, you could see her character, you know, still being like a little mousy with it. And, yeah. And, but that was cute, and she pulled it off. With, with, not, with not a lot of lines. Not a lot of, not a lot of lines at all. It's yeah. all physical. Right, because when she goes into disguise, she actually, I don't think... I mean, does she have any lines? I mean, I know she plays at the bet, but does she say anything? If she does, it's not much. Right, right. As opposed to Denise Nicholas, where, you know, like you said, this 
this is absolutely when I fell in love with Denise. Davis. Oh yeah, man. When I was like seven, mm-hmm. I said, "Oh yeah, this is it right here." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, our ongoing conversation about Sidney Poitier and his place mm-hmm. in blackness, if you will. Okay. Like you know, I saw a couple of things where they said that one of Sidney Poitier's goals in this film was to, you know, basically position himself more strongly in the black community, if you will. And I think you see it on the screen where I think he's more relaxed in this than he is even in Uptown Saturday Night. Right, because Uptown Saturday Night was his first attempt at that. Right. And and it... it, it and he's still Sidney Poitier. Like, you know, we've talked about this before with his 70s work. What I admire so much about his work in the 70s, where he's trying to find his space mm-hmm. in this kind of hip blackness, you never get the sense that he's putting on. No. no or or right. that he's sort of trying to change who he really is. Right. But he just finds his space. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, again, the irony is that he's hilarious. So, you know, like when he plays Mongo Slade, no, he doesn't have on the knickers and it's not like this very kind of flashy showy scene. But he's wearing the cape <laughs> and he's pulling it off. He is. And it's like, okay, fantastic. Got to talk about the, the soundtrack. This is one of the great... Curtis Mayfield black soundtracks of the 70s. Which I will say right now that while the soundtrack to Let's Do It Again is not as iconic as Superfly. Right. No way near. Right. However, the the soundtrack and the score that he develops for this film is better used. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's and, and therefore it is more prominent and more fitting in this movie yeah. than in Superfly. I, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Again, I think across the board, everyone is firing on all cylinders. Yes. Like they really, really are. And and you know, much like you, like I've always had in my head that. The, the, the Portier Cosby films are an example of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. And, and I, but as I'm watching, I'm like, wow, like I think this is better than Uptown Saturday Night. But, you know, once again, once you get to Jimmy Walker, yeah. for me, he, it, it just stops the momentum. Yeah. yeah. So much so that, that, that again, I, I go back to, well, I also think Uptown Saturday Night in a lot of ways is a warmer. Okay, yeah, I can because give it that. Because of the improv, like the, the looseness, the improvisational nature yeah. of it. But, but yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah. This is, this, this, this is fantastic. There's, that, there's very few, like you said, outside of, outside of Jimmy Walker, there really are, there's nothing to criticize yeah. in this film. Yeah. At all. Except I wish I could wear a hat like John Amos. Like he wears his fedora, but he wears it to the side. And I don't know if I could get away with that. Well, it's such, again, the attention to detail where everything you need to know about Kansas City Mac, you really just have to look at him. Right. 
like the fit of the suits mm. are very cl- like it's a very remember because it's 1975 mm-hmm. but it's a very classic fit mm-hmm. he always has a boutonniere yes you know he, he like you said the hats that he wears like like I love the fact that he has like these gold crowns mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know this menacing laugh that he has and you get the sense that that he really feels like he has pieces of excrement bigger mm-hmm. than Biggie Smalls. Yeah. But at the same time, there is this lean danger mm-hmm. to Biggie Smalls. One little detail that I loved, when they make the bets, Biggie Smalls counts the money. Kansas City Mac doesn't. Biggie Small has the money counted. He ain't counted. Well, money. but I'm saying. But yeah, 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 you're right. You're like right. He counts right. the money. Kansas City Mac doesn't. Yeah, because that's old school. Because that's old school. These are two different types of criminals. Mm-hmm. But that's a detail. Yeah. Like, that's a detail that Richard Wesley thought about. Yeah. The other detail is that Biggie Smalls um, has pretty much as his second a woman. Biggie Smalls has a woman as a second. Yeah. Yeah. And Kansas City Mac is all older men. It's all older men whom you don't get the feeling that any of them are his second. Right. They all are just, you know, his dudes. Right. His you know, his guys. Right. But you don't get the feeling that any of them have any type any real power right. in that structure. Or any of them could step up. If something right. happened to Kansas City Mac. Right. 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 But you you see that totally different in in uh Biggie Small's organization, another sign of the times. Another sign of the times. Another sign of the times, disturbingly though, so is Big uh Kansas City Mac and his use of the F word. Yes, he does. And I don't mean the four letter word. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, there's a there's a homo- homophobic slur that is used in one scene. Quite prominently. And it's it's a pretty striking scene as time goes on. Yeah, it is. You know? And, you know, I'm sure the eight thousand times I've watched this film, I laughed at that scene. Right. You know, because it is a scene that you are, it's a line you're supposed to laugh oh, at. But it, 2018, it doesn't age well. It does not, it, it smacked me real hard, yeah. man. Yeah, but it's it's a sign of the time, and that's the type of language that a man like Kansas City Mac would have used. True. In 1975. And, this is, it's, and it's the language that a Kansas City Ooh. Mac would use in 2018, too. Yeah, absolutely. To be fair. He's an old school gangster. Right. He's an old school gangster. So, so, but uh, other than that, yeah, yeah, but hey, but yeah, this, this, this is pure. Yeah, man, like, this is pure right here. This is this is it right here. It's just so, just good stuff, just so, good. So, I would assume. Oh man, look, <laughs> look. First of all, amongst our fans. This will probably be our least downloaded episode because people are going to be like, "Let's do what well, I know is good. What's next?" Right, right. <laughs> right like, Come on, he's, he's not, they're not telling me anything. <laughs> they're not telling me anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. they maybe it'll listen to the first half to say like, "Oh, did they read my email?" Right. Okay, then I'll keep it moving. Right, right. But but other than that, they they, they don't care. Look, so if, if you're our fans, 
you, 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 you know about Let's Do It Again. However, if you're new to the mission or you're following the mission looking for movies, maybe you have not seen this film. Right. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. It is streaming on uh, Amazon Prime. If, and, and I think it's I think it's part of Prime, so it's not even brown sugar. Um, so it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Load up on some some popcorn, yeah, you know, or maybe some shrimp, you know, whatever. Maybe if you like Vince, you want some oxtails. Get it before you start. Get it before you start. Once the movie comes on, you're there. It, you're there. The second you see Jane Kennedy's legs, you're in. That's not even her final form. No, it's not. I know. You're talking about 70s Jane Kennedy. 1983 Jane Kennedy? 1983 Jane Kennedy? Like, like post-penitentiary Jane Kennedy? Because even, even now. I don't even... Is she Jane Kennedy at this point? Well, in 1983, right after penitentiary, she becomes... No, no, no. I mean in 75. Like, no, she's Jane Kennedy. Is she? Yeah, she's Jane Kennedy. No, she's Jane Kennedy. Okay. She, it, it, it says in the credits. It says Jane Kennedy. It says okay. Jane Kennedy. Right. But um, here's my thing, though. Is, is... Um, I did not know they were married that early. Jane Kennedy, like, like we said, sex symbol of the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. And I actually would say the 80s when I think about it. Late 70s. I mean, this is definitely... This is 74. Yeah. So I'd say Whatever. I, well, no, I'll say late seventies, eighties, because I don't think I don't think her star shines throughout the eighties. Right. Me so by eighty five. All right. So that's what I'm saying. So that ten year. What I know her for. Penitentiary. Right. And then I know her for being me. On football, being a broadcaster on football. Oh, uh, I remember she was in Playboy with Leon Isaac Kennedy. And then, like, just on posters and stuff. Yeah, I remember her poster. Like, I, re- I, I barely remember her yeah, poster. Yeah, I realized when you were talking right now, I, don't, I didn't even actually know what Jane Kennedy did for a living. Yeah, I don't think she did, like, a whole lot of movies. No. I mean, I, I'm sure she did some TV stuff. You know, like, you know. I think she was on Love Boat once. I she was on Love Boat. Yeah. She, I think she was on Different Strokes a couple of times because I think Ty Bridges right, used to always talk yeah, about yeah, Jane yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... The really, as far as I'm concerned, like her biggest claim to fame outside of just being Jane Kennedy, right? Was she's a was a broadcaster on um, I believe it was CBS, right? So uh, NFL, which I know you're not a f- all of that. You I'm did I'm when, learning that right now. Yeah, yeah. So. Don't get me wrong; she's well worth the view. Amen. Also, and maybe you told me this, or someone else told me this. Well, never mind. I don't want to put that out there. But, right. So I'll, I'll edit that out. <laughs> I don't want to put... When, when did this happen? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so would you recommend... Oh, absolutely. Well, there you go. Absolutely. I would absolutely recommend it. You know, I'm, I'd actually... I actually would, would recommend a double feature of Uptown Saturday Night and Let's Do It Again. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, like like I I absolutely think the two of them are great companion films because when Uptown Saturday Night goes off, you want more mm-hmm. of Portier and Cosby, mm-hmm. and I think this delivers on the promise 
of Uptown Saturday Night. Now, we're not doing the movie. We probably won't do it for another 130 films. Or the but next episode. <laughs> the, next, <laughs> the third film is a piece of the action. Yes. Um, do you recommend sitting down for the trilogy? Well, I think we should probably talk about that when we review when we review a piece of the action. Piece of the action. Okay. Well, let's find out what we're doing uh, next on the Michelle Mission, which will be your choice. But before we do that, we invite each and every one of you, ladies and gentlemen, to um, check our show out. It's available on our website, MishoMission.com. Misho, named after the renowned early... 20th century filmmaker and author Oscar Michaud is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Hey, shout out to actress Nikki Michaud, who was a, a fan of our show. Uh, Follow us on um, Instagram nice. as so well. I, I don't believe so. However, oh well, no, she's actually it, okay. All right, excellent. Through just you know, the, the, like hitting her up, she's expressed interest in, in possibly being on the show. So yes. we want to see if we excellent. can. I wonder if she's related. Make that happen, yeah. and then we can ask that question. Yeah. So shout out to Nikki. Hey, Nikki, how hey, you Nikki. doing? Um, uh, our show is available, MichelleMission.com, as well as part of of the Podglomerate family of curated podcasts just for you. You can find our show available as a radio show on WKDU 91.7, the voice of Drexel University, every Monday morning. You can wake up with the Michaud Mission on Mondays at 9 a.m. on WKDU here in Philadelphia, 91.7 FM, as well on Saturdays at 1 p.m., the Cami Award-winning Michaud Mission. That's up is available as a radio show on 1 p.m. on WPPM, 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Power Media, here in Philadelphia and Camden. And you can download our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and any place and every place that you find podcasts. We're also available on iHeartRadio, I believe, and a bunch of other places that I wasn't even sure that we were there. But nice. lo and behold, we're there. Okay, other business. Email us at mission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mission. Join the Facebook group Mission, where we get it in and have a whole lot of fun with the Tozens, Alara and Steve, who owe me an email, Alara. I'm giving you a shout out and putting you on blast on the show yeah anyway <laughs> is that all our business I, I believe you guess it is there you go so now that I put ours and Alara's business on out the in streets. the <laughs> on these streets Vince yes what will be our next film on the Michelle mission I, I, I mean I think we have a momentum now I think we have a momentum now and I think Lethal Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 2. We know we have to finish this conversation. I, I, I want to talk about the last film that Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby made. I don't think Sidney Poitier was in Leonard Part 6. I mean, on screen. Like, he directed Leonard Part 6. Did he really? Yeah, I think he did. I was, sure he did. I was really just making a no, joke no, no. about I'm, Leonard I'm, Part 6. I am 90%. Oh, my God. I am, I am 90% sure Sidney Poitier directed 
either Ghost Dad or Leonard Part Six. One of them weird ass Bill Cosby movies he made in the eighties. <laughs> Sidney Poitier directed it. But next week, I want to talk about a piece of the action. A piece of the action. So we're going to watch it. 1977's A Piece of the Action. Which is the third. The third part of the unofficial Bill Cosby, Sydney, or Sydney Portier Bill Cosby trilogy. All right. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just to uh, just to uh, answer the trivia question, Leonard Part Six, which starred Bill Cosby, um, was actually directed by Paul Wyland. How about Ghost Dad? All right, Ghost Dad. I swore Sidney Poitier directed one of those films. Ghost Dad was directed, starring Bill Cosby, and directed by Sidney Poitier. Yeah, like I said, remember, remember, like. Like what was what was that? A piece of crap. Like, but but here's the thing: they weren't just pieces of crap. They were strange products. Like they were. I'm gonna sit here long enough and say I want to do one of those. <laughs> Please don't. Leonard Part. When's the last time you watched Leonard Part Six? I've never seen Leonard Part Six. It is so bizarre. Bill Cosby's film career in the eighties during the Cosby Show was so bizarre. It was like Ghost Dad, Leonard Part Six. Mm-hmm. Remember, he played the homeless dude in Meteor Man that could talk to dogs. Yeah. Like I don't know. Well, I do know what's going on with Bill Cosby. But besides that, <laughs> I don't know what the hell was going on in his head with the roles he took in the 80s. Yeah, I know. But here's a fun fact about Ghost Dad, which actually came out in 1990. Okay. Because uh, Leonard Part 6 came out in 87. Okay. Um, actually, it's both of these films. Leonard Part 6 and Ghost Dad were actually favorites of my um, one of my nephews, who's now in his 30s. Okay. Um, but growing up, that those two films were his introduction to Bill Cosby. To Bill Cosby. Yes. And he loved them as a kid. He loved both of those films. They are bizarre films. Yeah, they are. I, I've never seen either of... No, I think I've seen bits of Ghost Dad, never seen Leonard Part 6. Congratulations. They've both got, just gotten shortlisted. Oh. Like, we're going to do a piece of the action next week, but after your next choice, depending on their, their available, because then I don't even know how available they are. Oh, please say they're not available. You're saying that, but I think they're interesting films. No. You said Sidney Poitier did Ghost Dad? He directed Ghost Dad. I mean, he's, I mean, I mean just even, even the concept. Like the, like like the man gets killed, but then he's a father to these children. It's this weird darkness to it. And you know, it's Bill Cosby and you know, either eighty seven or ninety, like like the Cosby show is in full bloom. Mm-hmm. Like he's America's dad. Mm-hmm. And he's playing a, a dead guy. Or like I think Leonard Part Six, he was like a retired uh, so he was a spy. spy. Yeah. But like it was goofy and weird. But that's another show. Next week we're doing a piece of the action. Here's some foreshadowing. Bill Cosby is clean shaven in this. Mm. <laughs> well, this will be interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Join us next week here on the Show Mission. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. 
In parting, we say, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. to better do it's been a pleasure knowing you i'll see you when it's time to meet again